Commitments allow teams to coordinate their actions and have mutual expectations. It's essential to let other people know when commitments are in jeopardy and renegotiate them when those commitments are not going to get met. Otherwise, people are surprised with last-minute changes. They can't adapt well. They don't have enough time to navigate with this new information. Plus, their, tr their trust is lost and morale is also lost. I'm Jason Gore, and I'm here with executive coach Robert McNaughton. Renegotiating commitments. Yeah, I mean, this, I'd argue more than anything else, is the key to having integrity of your word and commitments and being able to follow up on your commitments reliably. You know, this integrity thing comes up really often in this conversation because we tend to orient around commitments as if, if we keep them, we have integrity, and if we don't, we don't. But we don't realize that actually part of that integrity is changing the commitment itself. It's yeah. almost like we're taking this childhood notion of a promise. That's you right. promise to do this and you either succeed or you fail. We're applying it to the business realm in a ridiculous way um, because commitments are simply a way to allow teams to coordinate. And they change. And priorities change. Situations change all the time we have to be able to talk about it and renegotiate. Yeah, I think that truthfully, that's the biggest thing that gets in the way of people um, doing this responsibly is having a black and white relationship with their commitments. And when it seems like I can't make it, it's kind of an invitation to abdicate responsibility and, and like, you know, take a victim role and just be like, well, that happened. And so, you know, and if we've already set a low bar for ourselves, if we let ourselves kind of, you know, flake on commitments too often, then, you know, that, that, that will keep going. Yeah. One of my main business rules, and life, I would say life rules, is no surprises. Beautiful. Whenever possible. I mean, you know, there are times where we don't have the ability to communicate something. Um, and I've used the, the one before of, you know, if we're going to have a major reduction in force and we're going to fire half the folks in the company, we don't want that out until we're ready to have that out. Right. But if there is a chance that that might get out, then we have to actually be ready to, to talk about it. Um, but no surprises. And so, for example, I was working with a network service pr provider um, like uh, Amazon Wireless Services, and they guarantee a 99.9% .9 uptime, which means that 0.1% of the time, the server is not available. Um, and there was a situation that came up where the main servers were likely to go down. There was a power surge in one of the stations and they were kind of splitting up their server time in the remaining stations, but they simply did not have enough servers to hold everybody's um, servers during business hours. Yeah. And there was this, this question of they had an hour to try to fix the problem before it was going to become a problem. Do they communicate with their clients? And my answer was yes. Like, we should send out a note that says the main servers are likely to go down in about an hour. We'll follow up as soon as we know something, certainly within an hour and with a plan to get you back online. Right? Because that, although it might not happen, like you're communicating the truth of the situation. And if the servers go down, the clients are going to be a little less upset. And if they don't go down, then we could actually talk about the reality of, yeah, sometimes servers go down. We only guarantee 99.9% .9 uptime. If you need 100% uptime, we need to make a new plan. That's right. right? Um, and people actually pay for that. Um, you know, there are ways to accomplish that. So 
it allows people to navigate their own risks. Beautiful. You know, I think it's important for me to say, it's like, we're not talking about that, like you have to be overly transparent and like be giving updates on, you know, minutia of things all the time. We're talking specifically about commitments that you have made. And if something gets in the way of that commitment, it is your responsibility, your accountability to let people know that you need to renegotiate that commitment so that we can all keep moving together so that we're aware of things are going on. Um, like a really like simple example for me is, is like a, a metaphor is like, imagine you're riding your bike down the road and like you're headed towards this very specific destination, but then there's a pothole on the road. You don't just ignore that pothole and just be like, ah, oh, we're already headed in the direction. It's like, mm, that, that'll kind of be annoying. I, I would have to work hard to kind of bring that in. It's like, no, like if you don't say that there's a pothole and we need to steer around it and course correct, we're, we're going to lose the mission. Mm-hmm. And I think it could be really extended to when you, when you really look at negative impact to any of our team members and their commitments. Yes. Anytime we know something where someone else's commitments are being jeopardized yes. because of something that we know or a commitment that we're inside of is being jeopardized, it's kind of our obligation to let them know that. Yeah. Assuming we want them to be su- successful and, you know, virtue of that, our team be successful. Mm-hmm. Assuming we want to be successful, then yeah, we should be looking for any place where uh, the integrity of commitments are being um, jeopardized. I, I think there's a tendency to hide out and wait and see. Yes. Like, hey, there's a risk. At what point does that risk cross a certain threshold that has someone feel like they should share? And you know, finding that line really is relationship dependent. Um, for example, I was working with a CEO and he had a very involved board. Um, and Facebook changed its advertising algorithm right. and this company's click-through rate, it was a consumer-based company, it dropped by 50% overnight. Right. Um, and, the, you know, they were in the middle of investigating it, you know, and the question is, do they share it with the board? And I'm like, look, the board is going to find out. That's right. right. So it's better to share it now. And he's like, well, I want to come up with a plan. You know, and the answer is like, well, you could do that. But if they find out because, you know, it's going to be affecting their other portfolio companies too. And if they come to you and ask you, you're going to look like you're hiding something. So he said, sent out an email saying that, hey, FYI, our click-through rate dropped by 50%. It's notable. We're working on a short-term fix. We'll keep you updated, but also we need to manage this risk moving forward. Yes. And it really, and what happened was a response came back that, hey, we're working on this with another portfolio company. We have an expert in place that you should talk to. It was like, oh, wow, more resources because he shared that risk, right? Resources became available that wouldn't have otherwise been available, right? It, It became a issue that was discussed rather than being kind of, manage and kept under the rug. Exactly. And, and I think it's worth saying, Jason, that like the reason that most people don't do this or don't have the habit uh, you know, built in is because it's hard in that human nature is we're naturally conflict averse because conflict is hard. It's uncomfortable. 
it, mm-hmm. it like if, if we didn't have to, if we're going to take the path of least resistance, say like, oh, let's wait a day and maybe this will have all gone away in the morning and I don't have to go to the person and have an uncomfortable conversation. But yeah. it, that's work. If we want to like make sure that we're successful, like it's our responsibility to know how to have that conversation to come in and, and, and especially if what we care about is in jeopardy. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of just the, in our personal lives. Um, CEO client of mine, he has a teenage son and his son has a midnight curfew and uh, the situation arose the other day where his kid was, you know, a half hour late and he's like, why don't you just call me? And the, the actual, the kid did a really great job. He was, he was out with his friends. They got drunk. He got out of the car because there was a lot of drinking and driving happening and he ended up walking home because he couldn't get an Uber. And then he got home and he got in trouble when, you know, he had a cell phone. Yeah. And like, if he just would have called his dad and said, hey, dad. Classic. And, and like the C by CEO said, like, I wish he would have called me. I would have gone and picked him up. I would have gone and picked him up and congratulated him like happily. Right. But because there wasn't communication, there was a half hour period where I was fuming. And he, when he walked in the door, even though the kid did the right thing, I was angry. Yep. Like just. It's like, just pick up the phone and talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, it, it, is, it is as simple as that. It truly is as, as simple as that. And, you know, let's be honest here. It, it, it's, you never know what mood you're going to catch someone in. Mm-hmm. And you might bring some information to the surface and someone's going to have a negative reaction about it and shoot the messenger a little bit. Right. And that's, that's part of, you know, life. That's part of the workplace. That's not a good enough reason to not do it. And the people, the leaders who do this well, they just always renegotiate, even for really little things. And that's the best practice I can recommend to get better at this. Mm-hmm. To like, you know, if you're running five minutes late for a meeting, send the text message to the appropriate party. Like right. do it for everything when you, your exact words are not reflecting reality. And like, people will respect that and like will start to rely on you and trust you more. Yep. And let's speak about managing down a little bit and shooting the messenger. Yeah. If, you know, people come to you and, and reveal that they have issues and risks and it's done in a professional way, like you ideally are going to be helping them solve the problem and acknowledging that they're coming to you. Like, thank you for coming to me. That's right. Let's talk about it versus if you shoot the messenger and you start yelling and screaming, you're always late. What's going to happen is people are going to hide risks from you. <laughs> and eventually those risks are going to show up and you're going to get caught with your pants down because you know, you're going to be surprised because things are getting hidden. That's right. And people do that, you know, like you're you know, punishing people for bringing you valuable information. It's kind of like, you know, if, you're, if your foot starts telling you that it's in pain, being like, ah, oh, my foot is always in pain. Like, ah, oh, I just wish it wasn't in pain. It's like, no, you're, you, do you really want it to be numb and not tell you at all that there's something wrong? No, like right. we, want, we want information and data. So yeah, don't shoot the messenger. Totally. Um, and so it's like, you know, handle both situations. Like, okay, you're coming to me with a risk. Let's deal with that risk. Let's deal with the consequences of it and create a, a backup plan. And then there's a third conversation of, hey, you're coming a lot to me with deadlines that are going to be missed at a very late stage. How can we fix this? How can we shift it so that you're more reliable from your original estimates? And I do appreciate you coming to me and giving me risks and all these changes, but at the same time, like, what do you need? 
And sometimes that conversation might be more resources, more yes. collaboration, like, you know, not finger pointing, but really saying, well, I need this from my peers because part of the reason I'm late is I'm not getting what I need. Yes. Um, and you know, have real conversations there. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that back up, Jason, because the negotiation aspect of renegotiating commitments is key. It's a two-way street. And, and really, the way I want people thinking about this is that when you're renegotiating a commitment, you're looking for buy-in from both parties. Like, mm -hmm. both people need to sign off on a commitment for right. it to be solid. And that's where it's just like, okay, this one's not working out. Here's the new projections that I'm making in relationship. Here's my strategy and how I'm going to do my best to do this. What do you think? Ask questions back and forth until both people can sign off and be a hell yes that this is a viable commitment. You know, we talked about that earlier today, Robert, that we had a CTO, right, that had three projects, A, B, and C, and all three of them had some jeopardies involved. A and B were doing reasonably well, but C was actually in trouble. and he presented it to the CEO and said, hey, this is what I'm doing to manage this. I'm going to make A and B really solid and, CEO, and C might be late. And the CEO is like, no. Like C is the most important thing to us because you know, the CEO is managing a much larger perspective and scope. I actually want you to stop all work on A, move all those resources to C. Yep. Right? But the CEO would have never had that chance had, like you're saying, this not been a negotiated conversation, like really understanding the downstream impacts. And when you look at, when you renegotiate things, there's a, what we call a consultant triangle. Like uh -huh. you, you know, you have cost, you have quality and you have speed. Yes. Right. Three factors in the, in the consultant world, we say that you can only get two or three of those. You could get a really high quality, right. On time. If you're willing to throw a lot of resources at it. Of course. Right. If you're not willing to throw a lot of resources at it and you want to be cheap about things, then, well, we have to have flexibility about time. So when we renegotiate, we tend to renegotiate based on that. We could take, do the same thing and do it in longer. We could add resources and increase costs by throwing money at it, right? Or we could reduce quality or scope, yep. right? Like we could give you less or we could, we could release something with some bugs in it. Like, what do you want us to do? Um, and so that's the, you know, those are the things that we have to play with. And that's a, that is a negotiation. That's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I've, I'm brought to mind of like the Apollo 13 thing when they, you know, when they went to the team, they're like, here's the materials on the thing. You've got an hour to find a solution to this or these astronauts die, you know, um, <laughs> go. And, right. it's, and of course I love using, you know, uh, space missions as analogies for these challenges because they are life or death and they're critical and like they're, you know, you have to update each other on what's happening or, or, you know, you're really risking the lives of people. And so yep. I mean, for me, you know, like bottom line here is like, you know, our, our, our integrity is, is based on our commitments and, and that's based on a, re a real relationship with reality. So mm -hmm. if we want to have integrity in our commitments, we have to update based on reality, which means having some difficult conversations every once in a while. Right. Okay. You brought up the NASA thing, Robert. So I got, <laughs> I got to talk about Challenger. Great. Um, January 28th, 1986, um, space shuttle Challenger exploded 73 sec seconds after blasting off from uh, Florida's Kennedy Space Center. And the proximal cause was essentially failure of a gasket due to temperature. Yes. Um, 
and on this particular day, um, there was a, a, the lowest temperature ever that a space shuttle had taken off, and there were indications that temperature was an issue, right? And there was enough knowledge in the organization that temperature was an issue. Um, but those risks did not get escalated in a way that the decision makers really understood the risk that was involved. Um, at the lower levels, people had pieced things together. There was a lot of uncertainty. They had seen gasket failures at lower temperatures uh, previously. And, you know, the question is, how could those risks have escalated early, earlier? And, you know, the report indicated that, you know, complex systems fail in complex ways. But in a startup, the earlier we can identify those risks, the earlier we can renegotiate and have those risks be part of executive decision making and, and the whole group, the more we're going to be able to collaborate in the future. That's right. Pretty, pretty simple, but critically profound. <laughs> Indeed. You know, the goal of all of this is to get stuff done as fast as possible in the highest po quality way, right, with the least amount of resources. Yes. And, you know, we're trying to build something that's usually never been built before. And so commitments are a way to organize action, but they are always going to be shifting and changing. And we have to accept that reality for us to continue to organize together. Yes. The high road here is staying in relationship with each other, with reality. Yep. And, you know, with timelines, with commitments, and, and working together, it does take some time to continually to re renegotiate that. But if we don't do that, we end up with explosions. Yeah. Real good stuff, Jason. And I know all of you that, like, this, this can be done, and it's our responsibility to do it. Thanks, Robert. To all the leaders out there, and we're all leaders, we hope this conversation has been helpful.